This is the primal scream of a dying regime. Pray for our enemies, because we're going medieval on these people. You're just not got a free shot all these networks lying about the people. The people have had a belly full of it. I know you don't like hearing that. I know you try to do everything in the world to stop that, but you're not going to stop it. It's going to happen. And where do people like that go to share the big line? MAGA media. I wish in my soul, I wish that any of these people had a conscience. Ask yourself, what is my task and what is my purpose? If that answer is to save my country, this country will be saved. Warren, here's your host, Stephen K. Bass. what they have to say. Uh, Chris Matthews, um, <laughs> you look at these polls, I don't even pay attention to them. It's like, you know, three, per, three and a half percent of Americans say that Joe Biden's done something and 97 percent. I mean, I'm exaggerating, but the polls are so bizarre when you look at how historic and I even even Republicans, even Newt Gingrich would say this. Joe Biden yeah. has had historic success considering a 50-50 Senate. He's accomplished great things. That message is not getting out there. And I'm not just putting that all in the White House. Like, what do you do if you're Joe Biden to say, look at what we've done. And now look at what we're facing in the next two years with these insurrectionists that I got to work with. Well, he's got an audience tonight and uh, he's got to use it. And like he's been yeah. doing it for the last three or four weeks, he's been to uh, the, the bridge across uh, from Ohio to Kentucky, uh, the Baltimore Tunnel, the Gateway uh, Tunnel, the new one and across the Hudson. He's talking about places to put 20 to 30,000 people to work. He's talking about people, working people who don't have college degrees. They make a big point of that. They said this bridge will be built by people without college degrees. They are really trying to get back to the working class. This is a battle for union members. It's a battle for working people that didn't go to good schools or fancy schools or anything like that. And they're trying to win them back. He has to win the working class chunk of the vote. They've got to take it back. And I think that's what he's going to do. I mean, David Garth, you know, I don't know why Trump never listened to this. He's a builder. Why has he not built anything in this country? No infrastructure program, no building. David Garth in New York, the great media advisor, you know him, he said, Replace the smell of decay with the smell of construction, moving dirt, putting up buildings. The public likes that. They know all this stuff is rotting. All these uh, subway systems and bridges are falling apart. They know it has to get done. Biden's doing it. I think it's going to be a battle between building and bullying because that's the next election. Probably it's probably going to yeah. be him against Trump and he's going to be a bully. And he's got to say, I'm tougher than you because I'm building stuff and you're just bullying. Having been a communications person, I love new words. Get ready. We're going to hear this one a few times tonight. The phrase, finish the job. We understand from a White House official that President Joe Biden plans on making that phrase, finish the job, a central theme of his State of the Union address tonight. Specifically, he wants to finish the job he started when he launched his 2020 campaign. Big transformational things, stuff like elevating the middle class, restoring the soul of the nation, as he so often says, and trying to unite the country. The last item, though, very clearly... Is easier said than done. The president's address tonight will be his first delivered to a divided Congress, after all, and elected Republicans haven't exactly been discreet about their appetite for broad political vengeance. They're in charge of House oversight now. Guess how that committee is spending its time tomorrow? They're having a hearing 
having to do with the president's son, Hunter Biden. And that's just the beginning for them. We've got at least two more years of this. And in that way, tonight's State of the Union is an on-ramp to a highway that leads directly, as Ben's been discussing, to the 2024 presidential contest. Tuesday, 7 February in the year of our Lord, 2023. Uh, welcome to the afternoon and uh, early evening edition of the War Room. I want to thank everybody for joining us. So we're going to do a live stream. In fact, uh, President Trump just came out and said he's going to do a li- he's going to do a live stream over Truth. I think play by play commentary. That ought to be uh, the, the standby for that one, right? So it's going to be interesting. Uh, I think we're going to pick that up. Uh, the Savage Angels are going to do a live stream and commentary. We're going to figure it out. We've got uh, go to the Getter site nine o'clock or a few minutes before. We will somehow incorporate President Trump because President Trump's. Because you do not want to miss that. So there's so much going on today. I want to bring in Richard Stern from Heritage, the head of their kind of the analysis, analytics, and the and the Heritage budget blueprint, which really is a kind of a master plan of how we get to a balanced budget. First off, Richard, um, you've heard that the 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 left wing media is all kind of crestfallen in a fighting mood because these polls are coming out, CBS polls and. You know, this is not Trafalgar. This is CBS, ABC. They're coming out. And today, the numbers are horrific, right? What do people think that if Biden made their life better? 18% yes, 50% no, or 49% no. And they keep touting this amazing economics job that he's done. You're, there, you're kind of the, one of the big brains over at Heritage that thinks this stuff through. Walk us through economically. Yes. What, what actually are the accomplishments, and where do you think it stands, sir? Absolutely. So I think the first question is, what are the 18% smoking to think that the economy is doing well, right? But to, to your point you were leading into, and I, I love in the intro to your show here, what Biden has done, what his cronies have done, is nothing but actually bully the American people, bully the people that work hard to produce real things in this country, to hire people, to give people incomes. That's what they've done, right? When you hear about the size of the debt and deficit of the government, $31.4 trillion, that's $240,000 of national debt per household. It's America's second mortgage. You didn't know it, but you've got a second mortgage in the form of the federal debt. All of that cripples our economy. That's why as much as people are getting jobs right now, their wages are falling behind. It's why the price of eggs is something that American households are struggling with. Through and through, the real thing that the left misses, they think that all they have to do is yell at the economy, yell at CEOs, and magically it'll produce economic activity. It's not that easy. We all know that. It takes real hard work, innovation, and the dreams of people that work hard, that build businesses, to grow the economy, to produce the goods and services that enrich our lives and allow us to spend our free time with our families. What the left does, they tax, they regulate, they crowd out private investment money so no one can build a new factory, no one can get a new job. That's their economic strategy. It's of the government moving the dirt around. It's of the government building mostly useless structures and bridges to nowhere. They don't understand that what they're doing is they're starving the American people of the capital they need to build an economy that works for everyone. I love that construct of the second mortgage, the 240000 per household. If you think about that, too, it's, an ex- it's a mortgage with an exploding rate. I mean, isn't one of the issues here that the, it's the law, uh, law of large numbers where it's such a number with the, with the $31.5 trillion plus the $9.5 trillion over at the Fed that for, now, you're, now you've, you've crowded out – and you're having higher interest rates to try to stop inflation. And that that debt 
is going to explode. In fact, I think Kevin McCarthy said yesterday, roughly, and you would know this, that um, I think it's eight or nine trillion dollars over the ten years it, alone, just in interest payments. Did I hear that correctly from uh, from McCarthy? Is that what you guys are projecting? Yeah, absolutely. And in fact, I'll tell you one other thing about that. So this is, you know, not going to shock you on this. The way the federal government does its budgeting, it hides the ball on most of what's happening. That's the net interest payments. Now you might ask, what's the net doing there? That's the interest payments out on the federal debt minus interest revenue to the federal government, because the federal government pretends to be a banker across the economy. Student loans are one of those places where the federal government has taken your money, written it out as loans to people, and then collects income off of it. The total interest payments that we pay out on debt are actually substantially higher than that. So that interest payment hides the ball. And if you want to hear a disturbing fact about that, total interest payments are likely to exceed defense spending just next year. And that that, that should shock everybody about next the real year. size and magnitude of this. Over, over, over 800 billion. By the way, Mercatus, uh, Mercatus, we had this analysis. When you say net interest payment, the Treasury used to kick in, I don't know, 50 billion, 100 billion. Because at zero negative interest rates, there was an arbitrage there with uh, because of the pandemic and other things at the nine and a half trillion is because of the inverted yield curve. Are they sitting on a trillion dollars? Mercatus calculated, I think, a trillion dollar loss that's got to also start to be paid, paid, paid back in real time. Is it does your numbers back that up? Are you familiar with that one that it's not going to be the net is now going to be even worse because you don't have the you don't have the positive 50 billion a year kick in. You're going to actually have to start paying off some the the inverted yield curve problem over at the uh, Fed. You're going to love this one. And I love that you brought up the Fed. The Fed is really, it's the quiet facilitator of all of this. I, first and foremost, everybody watching this, you might want to think of the Federal Reserve as kind of some wonky thing off on the side. It's not. It is the main facilitating engine of the last 14 years of more than doubling the federal deficit and creating this kind of burden that the government has done that has slowed our economy during that time period. The Trump administration was a, sl- a small, bright light that dealt with that kind of massive burden that the Fed has put us on, as well as the left. But to your specific point on this, so the way the federal budget works is that that $50 billion you're talking about, they actually had the goal to count that as revenues. They didn't even have that in the net interest. So, so think of it this way. The federal government pays interest payments to the Fed, which is also part of the federal government, and then the Fed would hand that money back to the Fed, and they would include it in their total of revenues taken in from the economy. It's a joke. But here's what's not a joke, and you brought this up. The Fed is, to your point, now losing money on its quote-unquote assets. And you might ask, how did the Fed get assets? It printed money, completely devaluing your paychecks and your savings. Use that printed money that they know there's no cap on how much they can print and how much they can devalue your savings. They use that to buy real assets that they're now losing money on. And so that federal interest payment to the Fed is now turning into federal subsidies to banking, real private banking institutions on those assets the Fed is losing money on. So, I mean, this is just one of those kind of cronyisms. A hundred plus billion dollars a year of federal subsidies to banks through the Fed through this scheme that they're running. I mean, it's it would be a joke if it wasn't so serious. Richard, that's what I think, you know, one of the things we do differently on the show is that we spend a lot of time on capital markets and the economy, international economy, and the audience loves it. One, it helps, I think, them think through how they personally plan for their lives. But, you know, this thing, all of this is um, it's uh, made obscure for a reason. They don't want the basic citizen to understand, you know, the fiscal domination of the legislature in the in the executive branch that that 
you know, comes up with these appropriations, but it's funded by a central bank that just keeps hitting. And, and you know, the Japanese insurance companies, the Chinese will buy so much, but the, the, the Fed's there to take care of the rest. And it's a it's a money machine. That money machine has also led to the concentration of, of wealth in, in as far as assets go. We have a system that's completely out of whack and with no no congressional oversight on the Federal Reserve. They, they printed a trillion dollars during the uh, – they call it the triage during the pandemic with no oversight whatsoever. What can we do, do you think, as a teaching moment here in this – when you have the appropriations process and the debt ceiling and everything about the Federal Reserve, what would you recommend for, for Heritage? What can we do together to make sure that the American citizens – understand exactly what's going on so the decisions are made are made consciously yes we understand how this works and this is what we're prepared to do what do you recommend first i really appreciate that you've taken the time and and, and energy on your show to focus on this because it really is i I often joke that the monetary system is the quantum mechanics of economics it's hard to get into most people don't like talking about it but it really is where where the money's at literally uh to to your specific question one thing that we've been looking at that i've really been doing a lot of work on is the idea of actually putting a statutory cap on the assets of the Fed. So you think of it like the debt limit, but it's a debt limit on what the Fed can buy. Wow. So you kind of recap it if you think about it. Right now, if the government wanted to take more of your hard-earned money through taxes, you have to have a bill, has to pass the House, the Senate, get the president's signature, as it go through the normal legislative process. Now, what if the Fed wants to steal your money by printing dollars that devalue your paycheck, devalue your savings, devalue everything you own, that's denominated in dollars, everything you own probably is denominated in dollars. They don't have to do any of that. They just have to, to what you just said, just hit the button and keep printing money and keep buying things. Now, if Congress puts a cap on how many assets they can own, you can do it in a way where it still allows the Fed to do what would have been 20 years ago, normal Fed activity to make sure we had a stable, sound currency. And what it would do is it would prevent them from buying up huge trillions of dollar increments to finance federal deficits with those new poorly printed dollars. So if you put that cap on there, what it means is the next time they want to put in one of these Christmas wish list bills, trillions of dollars that they're ultimately stealing from you, they would have to have an overt vote on the floor of the House and Senate to raise that asset cap on the Fed, or they'd have to get it through more legitimate means. But it forces them either way, however they want to finance their, yeah. their projects, they would actually have to have a real vote in Congress. Yeah. Richard, we want to hold you through the break if you don't mind. Richard Stern from over at Heritage in charge of the uh, Heritage Budget Blueprint. It's the pathway to a balanced budget. He's going to join us after a short commercial break. We also have Chris Miller, former Secretary of Defense, will be here. An explosive new book on the final days of the the Trump uh, first term. And we'll have Boris Epstein. We've got Philip Patrick later. Really a very involved show today. Despite the U.S. blowing through $31.4 trillion debt ceiling in January, the leftist White House still refuses to reduce spending. While our national leadership has buried their heads in the sand, when it comes to fiscal responsibility, it's time to pull yours out. Think about this. To dig our country out of this mountain of debt, every single taxpayer in America would have to write a check for $247,000, and it's only going to get worse. Now would be a great time to diversify into gold with Birch Gold. In times of high uncertainty and instability, gold is king because it's dependable. Birch Gold makes it easy to convert an IRA or 401k into an IRA in precious metals. 
Here's what you need to do. Text Bannon, that's B-A-N-N-O-N, to 989898 to claim your free info kit on gold and then talk to one of our precious metals specialists. Protect yourself with gold today by texting Bannon to 989898. That's Bannon, B-A-N-N-O-N, to 989898. With an A-plus rating, with the Better Business Bureau, thousands of happy customers, and countless five-star reviews, you can trust Birch Gold to protect your future. Text Bannon to 989898 today to get your free info kit. Take action. Use your agency. Here's your host, Stephen K. Bannon. Okay, CPAC, uh, Carrie Lake, Bobert going to join the president. They're going to be announcing names every day. CPAC.org slash War Room, March 1st through 4th. We're going to do the show live. Um, maybe we even have Boris coming in co-host. I don't He's got so many other duties now. He's too busy. Uh, I tell you what, we'll ask him live when he comes on here. Um, we're going to have the live audience participation like we did at Turning Point in Phoenix, like we did at CPAC in Dallas. Uh, you're going to want to be a part of this. We're looking forward to all of it. Plus, we're doing a live stream tonight. I think we're trying to pick up President Trump's play-by-play commentary or his hot takes. That'll be worth the price of admission. His hot takes tonight on Joe Biden's State of the Union, on Truth Social, and somehow we're going to try to pick it, get it up on Getter and have our own, have the War Room Posse also in there. So 9 o'clock tonight, around 9 o'clock, make sure you go to the War Room the Getter page in mine. Richard Stern over at Heritage. I love the idea on the balance sheet of the Fed. Going forward on the debt ceiling in this, you know, Kevin, Dr. Roberts was on here last week with this, really his brilliant thinking about cutting the defense budget. But overall, you heard Kevin McCarthy yesterday. Of course, Russ' vote went out right away, and Russ is kind of like, we're kind of dead-enders on this thing. Not one penny, you know, not one cent increase to the debt ceiling. Let's have prioritization of payments. Richard, what what's your concept? What's your construct here? of how we get your budget blueprint to, to the to balanced budget with this intense negotiations we're going to have, what would be your recommendation now? So I think one of the key things, and you were talking about Dr. Roberts, of course, had, had said this as well, is that a lot of people have this misnotion. They think that when the government spends money, they're providing free stuff to you. What they miss is when the government's giving you free stuff, they took it from somebody else that actually produced it. So one of the things I would say to people is, There are only two people that can get money without producing real value, and it's criminals and the federal government. A part of that is the federal government prints money, but the other is they have the ability to tax you, to regulate, do those sorts of things. We need to make that clear to people. Every single dollar, not just a federal debt, but a federal spending, is a dollar that's stolen from the American people, stolen from the economy. Part of what Dr. Roberts was talking about and and what our blueprint highlights is all of the ways to be efficient, to be constitutional with what the government uses, right? That the, the idea should be that the government only takes actually what it needs to fulfill core constitutional responsibilities, to safeguard our natural God-given rights, and to allow us, the American people, to build a prosperous economy. That's what the blueprint does. It highlights the way to get back to that. And I really think at the end of the day, it's about championing that message. You know, I, a lot of times, if you look at it, people that will say they're conservatives for decades will do everything the left does. They'll spend, they'll tax, they'll regulate. They're just kind of the lesser version of it. It doesn't provide a real option to the American public. What we want to re-highlight, reassert, is what it means to be conservative is what I just said, to respect that every dollar the government takes is taken from hardworking Americans and to get back to a real constitutional vision of the government where we can get back to the kind of prosperous economy that turned the U.S. into the greatest country on the planet long before we had big government. 
Richard, I want to get you back on, and maybe we do it in the 6 o'clock hour on the weekend. We can take a little more time, but I want to go through your, your budget plan, the whole thing. Heritage is at the tip of the spear, and Dr. Roberts, we had Michael Howell on this morning. He's really put the instilled the fighting spirit uh, back into Heritage. Uh, so how do people get to you? Where's yes. social media? How do they get to you? All your work over at Heritage. No, thank you. So, so you can find me at Rich A. Stern on Twitter, and of course, if you go Google my bio on Heritage, you'll see all the things I've written that are put out there. And, and I want to thank you again for having me on the show and going through all this. It's very important stuff. And, and remember, you know, you, you can be part of the conversation as well if you're watching this. We need as many people at the hands of the pump as we can. By the way, I'm stealing, and I'll use it as an homage to you, but I'm stealing your monetary policy as the quantum mechanics of, so, uh, of, uh, of public finance. It's a genius. That's a great, you know, great, uh, they used to always say, even Kennedy, and you read the book Confidence Men, Obama didn't know the difference, but Kennedy, as smart as he was as a history student at Harvard, they had to always, always tell him the difference between fiscal and monetary all the time he was in meetings. He'd get confused. So people shouldn't yeah. be, don't, don't be ashamed at first if you don't understand it. It's, it gets a little complicated, but we're here to make sure everybody can understand it. So Richard, thank you so much. Exactly. I thank you so much as well. Thanks, brother. Uh, Boris is here. Boris now, um, and we got a cold open for Boris, but I want to bring Boris in first. Boris, you always spring these ones on us. Uh, President Trump's going to do a live play-by-play commentary on Biden's on Biden's State of the Union tonight. That's it's like so good you can't even make it up. Tell tell me about that over True Social. He's, he's going to give live commentary as Biden does his uh, as Biden does his uh, his State of the Union. Don't not have Boris? Yeah. I thought yeah, I did. He, he was, he okay, great. This is a highly produced show. <laughs> Hello. <laughs> no. Okay. We're going to get to <laughs> Thanks for the heads up there, guys. Um, here's what's happening. In fact, we're going to have Chris Miller up next. We are going to get Boris up here. Uh, so Grace Chung, Captain Bannon, Jane Zirkle, the entire team, we're going to do live commentary tonight. And I will actually figure out how to do this so I can join live, hopefully, uh, as in, in person. But I'll be in, in the chat room. I want as many people as possible on Joe Biden's, uh, really to highlight, um, you know, if he says stuff that is real and true and it's up front with the American people, we have no problem. But I think it's going to be another just session of lies and misrepresentations. Hey, we're pretty upfront. In the war room, we think he's totally illegitimate. He stole the 2020 election. The, the, the elections, you know, stolen elections have catastrophic consequences. You can see it all over the world. Here's one of the things that we just checked, and I've checked some people on the Hill. I don't know this 100%, but let's say we're pretty close. They have not briefed, and if, if Great Turner, if anybody can double check for me right now, they have not, I don't think they've briefed the gang of eight. They certainly haven't briefed the broader intelligence uh, committees, and they haven't uh, briefed the broader House and Senate on exactly the situation with the Chinese, uh, with the Chinese, um, the Chinese uh, weapon systems, weapons platforms. Oops, you mean the airship? Yes, that one. So why are they slow walking this? Why? Why is this? Why is this something they refuse to come forward with? They should have been prepared to call the Gang of Eight. Remember, the Gang of Eight is the leadership of the House and the Senate plus. The leadership on the intelligence on the select committees on intelligence, both the House and the Senate, eight individuals, four and four. The why, why have they not done that? Why why have they why have they failed to do this? This is everything right now. We have to ascertain exactly what the Biden administration knew and when they knew it. 
This thing is exploding all over. The Chinese, some of the Chinese trying to sit there and go, well, the PLA, this rogue element, that's nonsense. She makes every, he signs off and or makes every critical decision when you're talking about the United States of America, right? There, there's, it is in, inconceivable, inconceivable that some rogue colonel or somebody in their, in their surveillance group uh, was able to let this off without his approval. No, this came at the highest levels. And anybody spinning that is just lying to you because that's not how it rolls over in the CCP. And I consider myself an expert in the CCP. I was the one that brought in for the uh, Yes, Abby Lowell, for the laptop from hell, which shows the treason and traitorous nature of your client selling out the United States for cash money from the Chinese Communist Party. Um, and uh, and this you have to get to the bottom to it. Remember, the first kickoff uh, investigation is tomorrow on the laptop from hell. They're going to start with the FBI officials that are associated with Twitter that were on the payroll over there. And they've got, I think, a former FBI agent. Maybe that's the weaponization of government. Anyway, tomorrow's going to be quite explosive. We're going to do kind of wall-to-wall coverage on this. We're going to be dipping out of all of them. Do I have Boris up yet? Boris, I see I had such a great TF for you, Boris, and I go to you and you're not there. Tell me about tell me about President Trump. <laughs> tell me about President Trump uh, doing this uh, play-by-play tonight on Biden's uh, State of the Union, sir. I'm always here for the TF. I'm always here for the posse. Uh, it was the, the deep state trying to prevent me from talking to you. Uh, the play-by-play is going to be, as they say, fire. President Trump, as, as you saw in his announcement, uh, is uh, already in, in top form and ready and roaring. The, uh, for the uh, quote-unquote State of the Union from from Joe Biden tonight, uh, not expecting a, a robust perform- performance by a hopeless Biden, but as President Trump said, hey, maybe he, maybe he does pull off something akin to Lincoln or Sir Winston Churchill. But eh, I wouldn't hold that hope. Uh, no, t- tell me, when you see this spin, here's the thing they're melting down on today, is that all the polls came out, not from Trafalgar, right? They came out from or the People's Pundit. They came out from ABC, CBS, and these numbers are nothing short of horrific, right? It has, has Biden made your life better? Has Biden's economy made your life better? You know, 18, 20 percent, yes. You've got, you know, almost 50 percent, no. The spreads are are, are historic. And they're sitting here all day beating, you know, beating the toxins about how well the American people aren't paying attention. This is a messaging problem. What say you, Boris Epstein? It's not a messaging problem, and it's not a politics problem. It's not. A, it's a policy problem. This this administration has been a disaster on everything: national security, cue the Chinese balloon, just in the last five days, on the economy, on uh, on the border, on energy. On, on our military, I mean, look at the look at the disaster in Afghanistan. Look at the festering, festering fire, literally around nuclear reactors in Ukraine. This administration has been the worst in American history by far. And anything else, anyone who tries to tell you different is lying to you to your face. Uh, Boris, can you uh, can you hang on for a second since we didn't get you at first? I want you to hang on just for a minute or two you on the other side. I have some other questions, fin- financial questions and a quick Ukraine question. We're going to take a short commercial break. Uh, Boris is going to stick with us. We're going to talk to him about the Ukraine, big developments over there. The Italian press is reporting that the defense minister has been fired. Of course, that's being uh, in Ukraine itself. They're saying that did not happen. There's a lot of controversy about the inner circle over there, but... 
They're saying that, in fact, uh, did not happen. Um, there's also uh, a, an exploding story about, and we're going to have Todd Benzman on in the 6 o'clock around the border. A uh, rancher down south of Tucson <clears throat> took out, shot an illegal alien who'd been crossing across this property, but I think it's been thrown out of the country seven or eight times. And now he's been arrested for, uh, for what, murder, for killing him? A million-dollar bail. We'll get to all of that in the 6 o'clock hour. Boris Epstein is going to join us right here on the other side. It's the run-up to the State of the Union. We're going to be doing it live stream. Fair warning. Listen to this convicted home title thief explaining what happens when he forges your home's title and takes over as the new owner. Nobody thinks that I can take their house and borrow against the house. Oh, no, I have title insurance. It's in my name. Or he would have to get some special document. They would call me. You know, what is calling you? You're living in a delusion. After I've stolen the title, borrowed against it, or sold the property, it's 60 to 90 days for that person to even figure out that they're the victim of this crime. You start getting foreclosure notices. You've got four mortgages on your house. You don't even own your home anymore. It's not even in your name. Home title fraud is growing two and a half times faster than credit card fraud. You could be a victim and not even know it. Here's how to protect yourself and verify your home's title is still in your name. Visit HomeTitleLock.com promo code radio. Then register your address for your no obligation home title report. A hundred dollar value you get for free. Again, get your free home title report at HomeTitleLock.com promo code radio. Your host, Stephen K. Bath. <laughs> have to get him back. Yeah, <laughs> Emily. And just remember, whatever intel the Chinese gleaned during its seven-day joyride before we did decide to shoot it down was worth it getting shot down. Because the $400,000 we spent on the Sidewinder missile, the $200 million we spent on the F-22, well, maybe that price is comparable to what the Chinese spent on their surveillance yeah. and that payload. And whatever it was, it was worth it because they knew that we would shoot it down, even though the defense and intelligence communities apparently ignored the president for a good three to four days before acknowledging his order. I have to point out as well, Karine Jean-Pierre's response when she said, it's up to China to figure out what kind of relationship they want. And Ainsley, you Ooh. mentioned a few minutes ago, you said that how a general predicted we would be at war with China in 2025. Mm -hmm. I argue we are already at war. We have been as they've infiltrated every component of our society, of our sovereignty for so long. In contrast, Karine Jean-Pierre's statement with Secretary Pompeo's statement, when he said we have stopped pretending that Huawei, for example, is an innocent company, we have called it what it is, a national security threat. We've taken action accordingly. He said we've opened our arms to Chinese citizens and they've bit us in the hands. Christopher Ray got in on the action. He said as well, um, slammed, he, you know, whatever, I, I have his quote in here. Oh, that the American people are more tuned than ever to the threat the Chinese Communist Party poses not only to our way of life, but to our very lives and livelihoods. And instead, we have a lackluster commander in chief and an apologist secretary who says it's up to the Chinese. It's not. It needs to be up to us. Ainsley, I come to you on the overall picture of how our enemies see us. I think that they see us as weak. Okay. Um, right there, the, the Murdoch News Network finally saying the magic words. Yes, the CCP has been at war for us uh, since at least probably 10 or longer years, but you can't argue it had to be from uh, May of 2019 when she declared a people's war against us. Uh, 
irregular warfare, unrestricted warfare, whatever you want to call it. In fact, can I have my book? I have my unrestricted warfare. Just do a plug. We're going to have Chris Miller here in a second, but that's always our standard here is the unrestricted warfare. One of the many producers. Thank you, producer. Um, Boris, uh, is it odd to you, sir, that uh, as far as we know, and we're not totally dialed in, but we're pretty close, we can't find out if the Gang of Eight has been briefed yet in a classified briefing. We know there hasn't been a broader briefing on the situation. Right there, Fox made a mistake. It's not from when the president you know, had this meeting with Milley, this telephonic thing with Milley and Austin in the middle of the night in Manila, and then they waited. This is about January 28th, 29th, 30th, 31st, and the 1st. What happened when it first came in contact with their defense over Lucian Islands? those four or five days when they hid it from everybody, Boris Epstein. What happened is that they were trying to figure out how to, again, deceive the American people while kowtowing to China. That's clearly what happened. Congress hasn't been briefed. The, the senior staff uh, of the new leadership, the speaker, hasn't been briefed. It is absolutely unacceptable. But again, this falls into this long line of pattern by Beijing Biden, by the Biden crime family, of being absolutely controlled by China. Think about it. We have this balloon that goes across the United States for, what, 10 days? And unless somebody out in Montana took a picture of it, nobody would have known. This is unconscionable. It is absolutely despicable, but it is the reality. And again, it goes back to elections of consequences, catastrophic elections, stolen elections, have catastrophic consequences. Elections have consequences. Stolen and rigged elections have catastrophic consequences. That is what we're dealing with, and Real it quick is unacceptable to... and has to be resolved. Real quickly, there's going to be a big kickoff tomorrow with all these committees really standing up and, and getting into it, but but the the big one could be at least oversight. They're going to be the weaponization. We now realize Matt, Matt Gates, a frequent guest here, is now on the weaponization committee, and the, and the left is freaking out. But on oversight, they're going to start on the laptop from hell. What what guidance would you give our audience in, in watching these first couple of days of these uh, investigations, sir? Watch for collusion and cooperation between the highest levels of law enforcement and big tech into suppressing and working against President Trump and rigging and stealing the election, the 2020 presidential election, against President Trump. That is going to be a major part of this hearing tomorrow with oversight, James Comer is the, is the chair of the oversight committee. And he's hauling in Joel Roth, James Baker, and other uh, Twitter executives, and is going to be grilling them on why President Trump and other MAGA patriots were censored and why it, the, there was this cooperation between law enforcement, Twitter, and other big tech to do all they can to rig and steal the election from President Donald J. Trump. In terms of weaponization, be focused, again, on law enforcement being used to attack President Trump, to attack MAGA, to attack his supporters. Boris, real quickly, how do people get, uh, what are your coordinates on social media, how do they get your morning newsletter? Steve, thank you so much. Big night tonight. Everybody's got to tune into President Trump's account on Truth Social. The play-by-play is going to be amazing. Trust you, me. Make sure you're tuning in. My information, the website is <laughs> BorisTP.com, hot of BorisTP.com, hot on Getter at BorisTP, Twitter at BorisTP, hot on Truth Social at Boris, hottest on the ground, Boris on the scratch button. Stay strong, God bless, and I'll talk to you tomorrow. 
Thanks, Boris. Okay, very honored to have uh, Chris Miller, a career uh, Green Beret Army officer, Colonel Miller, who was uh, Trump, President Trump's last Secretary of Defense, acting Secretary of Defense. The toughest job of all this, Chris, might have been your Cash Patel's boss, right? Cash was your chief of staff. That had to be that had to be the hardest job, even of being a Green Beret, right? Hey, Steve, thanks for having me on. Yeah, uh, what a great American. So honored to have the chance to serve with him. Hey, I, I got to ask you something. Like, I can't believe I'm on your show. I had to write a book to get on it. So thanks for having me. But check my backdrop out. Like, I, you're, like I'm checking you out, and I, I, I kind of studied a student of this. What do you think? Is it too cluttered? I'm like, like throw it all out there, man. No, no, it's, it's, uh, it's good. It's, it's working. I got it knives, works. I got guns, I got everything, <laughs> Yeah, the whole, the whole, the whole thing. You're actually, I can now can understand where your cash is, uh, boss. G- give the audience a little background. How did you get? Because it's you have a very powerful scene in the book when you first become acting secretary of defense. You walk in to the secretary's office and it's got the desk of Blackjack Pershing and another desk that's William Tecumseh Sher- Sherman's, and you're sitting there going, "Hey, how did a career army officer, a Green Beret, get here? Give, give us a little bit of your background." Well, you know, kid from Iowa wanted to serve parents. My dad served in Korea. Uncle served in uh, World War II. Come from a family of public service and decided that, you know, this Army gig was pretty good. Ruthless meritocracy kind of appealed to me. You just have to have a strong back and not quit. And that kind of appealed to me. And then uh, eventually retired. And, you know, I was a civil servant. I wasn't a political appointee when when we first worked together. I was at the National Security Council. I was on loan from the Pentagon. I was just a nobody and uh, decided I was doing counterterrorism and decided that we needed to defeat al-Qaeda and end the war on terror and ran into Cash Patel. And I thought he was absolutely crazy when I first met him because I looked at Wikipedia and I was like, oh, man, what did I get into? And found out that uh, he's just such a person of character. And he bought into this vision and said, let's go do it. And uh, we couldn't get through the the middle layer, the, the frozen middle of the bureaucracy. And, of course, Cash had a relationship with the president. He was able just to go right in, say, hey, Mr. President, you're getting slow rolled by these people. And that was our goal. And that's what we decided to do. And that's what we uh, did, did pretty well, if you ask me. What is the book is titled entitled The Soldier Secretary? What is the meaning of that? There's a part in the book yep. about it, but tell our audience what it means. You know, a focus group that informally publisher loved Soldier Secretary. I said, hey, my focus group said Soldier Secretary. So Miller was a secretary, like old school. What it really means is I served as a soldier for, oh, geez, you know, enlisted in 83 back in Iowa and left in 2014. Don't do public math. I'm not going to do that on your show, although it would be funny. Uh, And then, uh, but the Secretary of Defense is what we're talking about. And, uh, you know, I got to tell you, Steve, I went out and I thought my role was to support the generals and the admirals and whatnot. And I realized uh, on a really late night 
Thanksgiving night in Djibouti in Africa. We were going into Somalia the next day to check things out because the president wanted us to leave, which I agreed with. And I realized that night that my calling was not to serve the generals, but it was to serve the members of our armed forces, our veterans and their families. And thank you for your service, by the way. And uh, it's good to be on with this fellow veteran. So that's the purpose of the book, Soldier Secretary. I didn't come up with it. I'm a pretty humble guy. But um, some people go, you know what you are? Because I felt kind of bad after that. They're like, you know what you are? You're the soldier secretary. I was like, oh, man. OK. Uh, and and I, I, I wear it as a badge of pride now. What, it, you, the guy you relieved, Esper wrote a book, uh, which is I don't know if you had a chance to read it. It's pretty shocking. Named, but he talks about to, after the uh, myself in it, Steve. That's all I did. Like, it's about like, what is it? It's like a, it's this, it's this big dude. You like, you could use it as a doorstop. It's like 600 pages. I name checked myself and he said, this Chris Miller showed up. We had no idea who he was, question mark. And that kind of, hey, Steve, you know how it works. Like, you need to know what's going on in town. And that's, he, he didn't, he did not cover his flank. He did not know what was happening with his boss and he wasn't following his boss's guidance. It's as simple as that. And the president decided uh, it was time for change. That's he has this thing in there about the four no's that they were that they that he and Milley decided that uh, that the, the, the Trump that Trump himself was going to take the potentially could take the country to dark and dangerous places. And they had the four no's, no, no, no strategic retreats, no uh, new conflicts, uh, uh, you know, uh, steady Eddie, no, no, no misuse of the military, no politicization of the military. Although if you read your book of your career on foreign battlefields, it looks like the military had been pretty politicized, at least at the upper levels have been politicized as it was to almost a no victory thing. So what was Esper talking about? Was Esper talking about anything that you saw from President Trump? I mean, Esper, this is a very, Esper's book to me is, I mean, I would, I think Milley's opened himself up to court-martial, but I want to hear from you. Did he ever talk to you about this on when you, when you had a change of command or relieved the watch? No, Esper, no, Esper, Mark Esper never, uh, we had brief contact, but have not been in contact since. I think you really hit the nail on the head, Steve. You know, you know how civilian control of the military is and how sacrosanct that is to our republic. You know, it's kind of non-negotiable, but they decided that they knew more than their commander in chief. I want to make it clear. I did 30 something years in uniform. I worked for Republicans, Democrats. It didn't make any difference. That's what you do. The commander in chief comes in. That's how the system is. You know this. And you serve the guy and uh, or woman if it ever comes to that. And, you know, the fact that they thought they knew more, it, it appears that way when you read this and then you hear some of the leaks that are attributed to Millie. I'll, get it, I'll give you, I'll tell you, I want to let him have his chance to say his piece. He really hasn't commented on a lot of these things. So I don't want to jump jump to, you know, foregone conclusion. But it's really troubling because that's the thing, man. If you can't work for the boss, you don't have to in this business. You can go work someplace else. And uh, I never saw it. Here's the thing. I, I didn't know President Trump from, I mean, I, well, hey, you know what I did? I actually read his book and I did my research on the guy because you want to support your boss and you want to see how they think. 
And I'd heard all the kind of left-wing press that he was not stable and whatnot. I found the guy a remarkable decision maker and national security, and I never had any issues. I never was faced with anything unethical, immoral, or illegal in the national security space or in any space. Uh, to be perfectly clear, I don't want to be like given political talking points, like lawyerly talking points, but the guy was a great decision maker. I tell that story in the book about the Baghdadi hit. I, I tell you, hang, hang on for one second. We're going to take a short commercial break. We're going to return. we got Chris Miller, the last Secretary of Defense. And President Trump's, wait for it, first term. Back in a moment with Chris Miller. A lot of people complain about the state of our country or the way woke corporations treat us and their employees. But it's not enough to complain. We need to change the way the marketplace works. And that starts with you and where you spend your money. In less than a year, Public SQ has grown to be the largest platform of patriotic, freedom-loving businesses the world has ever seen. Whether you want to support a restaurant that only buys from local farms, a coffee shop that took a stand against COVID mandates, or a bank that would never counsel you, counsel you for your political views, Public SQ is your guide. There's also interactive, sensor-free community groups where you can connect with other local members. Here's the best part. It's absolutely, totally free to join. Just go to publicsq.com. That's publicsq.com. Public, the word, the letters, sq.com. And download the app today, totally free. Simply create an account and begin your search. You can also list your business for free so your local community can start to support you. We can't always change the world, but we can change how and where we spend our hard-earned dollars. Begin your search at Public Square today. Go to publicsq.com. That's publicsq.com. The new social media taking on big tech, protecting free speech, and canceling cancel culture. Join the marketplace of ideas. The platform for independent thought has arrived. Superior technology. No more selling your personal data. No more censorship. No more cancel culture. Enough. Getter has arrived. It's time to say what you want the way you want. Download now. Okay, welcome back. Um, we have uh, breaking news here. Uh, it's from the inside. The China... It looks like the head of the Chinese um, military defense department refused a call from the secretary of state on the day that the um, the airship or the spy balloon was down. That's breaking news now that they refused a call. Chris Millett, you were President Trump's last secretary of defense. You were the acting secretary of defense. There's a story in um, in Bob Woodward's peril that has Millie. In October, this is before you took over. I think you took over, I think, the 10th of November. Um, that had Millie um, talking to the Chinese, the head of the, the PLA, about stability and there's not going to be nuclear strikes. We don't really know the details of some of what Woodward talked about. And then he had another call in January. Did, do you, did, did he ever sit down when you took over and, and brief you or walk you through concerns that he had? And did he ever tell you face-to-face, man-to-man, that he had actually been in contact with his counterpart in the PLA and actually had these types of discussions 
about uh, about the use of nuclear weapons by the United States? No, first I found out about it was when I saw that excerpt from uh, Woodward's book. I did authorize him to call the Chinese, his Chinese counterpart, after January 6th. We did talk about that very briefly, but that call uh, in October where he talks about, like, I'll, was, uh, you know, the characteristics were like, I'll give you a call if things go south. It basically, sounds if that's true, that's kind of treasonous, you know. That's why I, I'm trying to be the bigger man on this, Steve, and go, we really need to hear from him, whether he's going to do that on his own or whether he needs to be called up to the oversight committees. That's that's for them to decide. But if that if that really happened, that's just kind of beyond the pale. That's kind of the point of my book. You know, I talk about accountability in there and holy cow, you, we can lose wars and and uh, but nobody's held accountable for their actions. That's not the way I was raised. You weren't that you weren't raised that way as a Navy officer, were you? Yeah. No. Uh, anything but I spent a couple of years after sea duty. Uh, in the Pentagon in the chief, with the Chief of Naval Operations. But here's the thing. This book, and I recommend the audience get it. Um, number one, your career as an Army officer, the valor, the heroism and, uh, of the guys around you, the, the, the nitty-gritty of these wars we fight. But if you want to see America in decline, it's really looking at our beloved, not just not the military per se, but how it's used in the, kind of this, this flippin' glib way that uh, the Pentagon and the and the civilian leadership and the oligarchs in this town use it. it, it it's quite disturbing. We only get limited time, but I do want to have you back. But the, the the I agree with you, and I think this is the first time you said. By the way, the book's got all kind of great stuff about President Trump and these raids. That's already been covered, and people read it for that. It's kind of you're sitting on the edge of your seat as you read the book, but it's got much deeper themes than that. Um, Millie, there has to be an inquiry into this, and I am shocked it hasn't been to date. It shouldn't be Chris Miller and Steve Bannon in the war room calling for this, or even President Trump. What, what has been uh, said that Esper and these guys said, particularly after the situation at Lafayette Square in front of St. John's Church and what they said, the agreement, the pact that they had, that all has to be investigated. We need to do this just for the civilian control of the military and the military's understanding of its accountability. Chris, you alluded to it in the last segment. You know, if people have a different viewpoint on their personal honor, they should resign and should make a fact of that resignation of why they're actually resigning and not going forward if they don't believe in things. But to believe in things and do it in, in um, uh, you know, kind of um, behind the scenes, behind people's back is not the way. The system can't function like that. I've said that since the first Peril book came out. Last thing, we only got a couple minutes. On, correct me if I'm wrong, because this is from the book, and I'm doing this from memory because I read the PDF and not a hard copy. Um, you had to call a meeting together telephonically, it looks like, with DOJ, I guess FBI, different aspects. You initiated this meeting to kind of a day or two before January 6th, to make sure everybody was organized because it didn't seem like it was organized? Is it, it, did I read it correctly in the book? Steve, thanks for bringing that up. Yes. And, you know, if you were a CYA person, you would have never done that because that's not the role of the Department of Defense and domestic affairs. But it had to be done, and I did that. And uh, thanks for highlighting the point that, that you know, wow, we were not organized. And at the end of the day, you know, civilian law enforcement, I just, you know, this, 
The military should never be used domestically for domestic law enforcement unless as an absolute civil disorder is broken out all over. And anything less than that is uh, really troubling to me. And that's the purpose that I try to make, you know, talk about in the book. So thanks for highlighting that because it's kind of one of those nuanced things yeah. that, you know, I try to tell some good war stories and stuff like that. But that's really the point of the book too, is civilian control and the proper use of our armed forces. They're great kids. You, you know them well. I mean, we were honored to lead them and command them and uh, they need, they need good leadership. And I'm worried we're not getting it right now. Chris, how do people, whether social media, where they go to get the book, because people got to read the book, and I want to have you back on again, because there's one bombshell after you. Just, just correct me if I'm wrong. I've only got a minute here. The analysis, when you called this meeting together, the number, the only number that came out, at least in the book, from that meeting of the a number of participations, uh, people that were going to be in the Capitol or in the nation's capital for, for the, uh, for the rallies was 35,000. Is that number, that number's in the book. Is that the only yep. number you remember being bandied about? No, that was the number. That was the consensus. And the cops said they can handle up to a, a million. So thanks for highlighting that. I'd yep. love to come back because this is really important that we talk about yep. this because armed forces it's did huge. their job the right way that day. Get, Get, get get the book. You won't be able to put it down. Real quickly, Chris, we only got 30 seconds. How do people get to the book and how do they get to you, sir? Hey, this interweb is great. Go to Amazon. It's right there. Soldier Secretary. Barnes & Noble's got it. Walmart's got it. Uh, Sam's Club has it. So appreciate it. And I tried to do it in a way that was approachable to people that aren't really familiar with the military oh, because yeah. that's what I want to do. I, I want to try to bridge that gap between yeah. those that have served and those that are serving them. This the soldier secretary, Chris Miller, President Trump's last secretary of defense in his first term. Chris, thank you very much for your service and thank you for uh, the interview. Appreciate it. Look forward to having you back. Short break. Second hour is going to roll in just a moment. War Room Posse, you already know free speech is under constant attack by the swamp and their big tech allies. They resell your communications and personal data while lecturing and laughing at you. I've got the solution. Unplugged Systems, a secure communications company, has an app suite you can install on any Android phone, including its own uncancelable app store, VPN, antivirus, and highly encrypted messenger, better than Wicker, Signal, Telegram, or anything else. None of your message or VPN traffic is stored, analyzed, or sold. Claim your security for only $10 a month. Go to their website, unplugged.com. That's unplugged.com slash warroom to install the Unplugged Suite. It's secure. It's private. It's the way we stay connected and informed. Get it now. Take action, action, action. Use your agency. Folks, let me tell you about Salty. It's a company that makes a soft gel supplement rich in antioxidants to help people like you and me keep a healthy heart. While COVID gets all the headlines, it's important to realize that heart disease kills nearly 700,000 Americans every year. Yes, heart disease is the number one killer every year, year in and year out. Heart disease builds over time. Hypertension, high blood pressure, bad cholesterol, diabetes, all of it affects our heart. A healthy heart is key to being energetic as we get older. It is never too early to take care of your heart. You see, heart disease sneaks up on us. You can start in your 30s, and when this happens, you're at serious risk by the time you turn 60. If you want to take care of your heart, 
and those you care about, please go to warroomhealth.com. That's warroomhealth.com. All one word, warroomhealth.com. Use the code WARROOM at checkout to save 67% of your first shipment. That's code WARROOM at checkout to save 67%. Do it again. WARROOMHEALTH, all one word, WARROOMHEALTH.COM. Go there today. You need, if you're going to be part of the posse, you need a strong heart. You need a lion's heart. How we're going to do that is with Salty. Go there. Do it today. Check it out.